Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say, I was I was interviewed this week um, by another journalist, actually, uh, who was writing for a different publication, and he was writing about car technology, and he wanted to talk to me about dash cams. And the statement that I really gave him was that the best part about dash cams is that they are an undisputed witness. There's no bias. There's no he said, she said. It is the footage. It is this time stamped. It is geotagged. It can have G sensors built in. It has the speed built in. I mean, with Navman dash cams, you cannot dispute anything that you're seeing. And the best part is that with the with the dash cams that I've seen from Navman and the ones that I have actually tested, the quality and the detail that it captures means that you'll actually get evidence that you can use. And that's number plates, make and model of cars, accurate color representation, actually wide angle view to make sure that you're capturing what happened before and potentially even after the accident, should they try and leave the scene, for example. You really do need something like this to save your tail if something does happen and it's just your word against their word. It's really important. If you're spending any time on the road, I really encourage you, especially if it's over a holiday season or you use your car for work, put a dash cam in there, do some research, do some comparative analysis and make sure you pick the right one. But do check out the entire range at navman.com.au because honestly, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to hear another story of someone saying, I had an accident. I swear I wasn't at fault, but what was I supposed to do? It looked circumstantially as if it was my fault. I swear that light was red, but I couldn't prove it. Those kinds of conversations. I don't like hearing about them. Go and spend 150 bucks at best, or maybe at least, and get a real serious dash cam. Uh, head to navman.com.au for their full range. Let's get on with this. Rasen Brasma, Jeff Quattromani, multi Australian in Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I'm actually recording this episode a little bit later. I've been watching the Australian Open and honestly, really loving it. I know we had some drama with getting the right people into the country and having sure that, you know, people could actually legally play or whatever the case may be. But, you know, tennis is great. I'm not a big tennis guy, but I'll tell you what, I don't mind catching a game, especially when it's local. It feels like it's more important all of a sudden. Uh, but I have been also sipping on a glass of red wine. This is from Robert Mondavi. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, they are based in California. I've been to this particular uh, vineyard. I've done wine tasting there. We do fortunately get some Californian reds in Australia now, and they are exceptional. And, and, you know, Australian wine companies would hate to hear this, but they are very, 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 very good. Uh, And they're not terribly expensive either. The one that I actually picked up was this afternoon, 25 bucks for this one uh, from like a liquor land or something like that. 25 bucks. It's a seriously good bottle of wine that punches well above its weight. And it comes in a cork, which is something I just love to do. It's something ceremonious about opening a bottle of wine with a cork. It's just something nice. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today on the show, today, tonight, whenever it is that you are listening, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Apple streaming services. We're going to talk about the Australians going off for the Winter Olympics and a bit of a concern there. But then we're going to unpack some things I've actually had my hands on. Um, Surprisingly, today I got my booster shot um, for COVID and a 5G modem turned up. Weird. True. Uh, We're also going to talk about some headphones that I've been using, some new earbuds that I think have got some exceptional talent that stands apart from other brands. 
And then we're going to unpack two webcams that I have been testing. If you're someone who's been working from home a lot, you spend a lot of time on Zoom or MS Teams calls, uh, you need to listen to this comparative that I've been doing with these two very, very special uh, webcams I think anybody should know about. Now, first of all, a real quick update, actually, because I think uh, a lot of you have been sort of messaging me and and sliding into my DMs about uh, the fact that I've moved and the gadgets that we're starting to bring into the home as we're experimenting, whether it was the Natatmo system I talked about last week or the robotic mower I talked about the week beforehand. Um, I'm starting to expand into the shed. And, you know, the, the shed at the moment, it's a very large shed. Uh, I have my mower in there. I have a whippersnipper. I have a push mower. Um, it's, it's pretty empty. There's not much in there. And there's even a mezzanine level, which I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with yet. But one of the things I started to think about was music. How do I get music into into the shed so that when I'm spending any time in there, whatever they're doing, whatever the heck that is, um, how do I make sure I can listen to some music and enjoy it like I normally do in the home? So I've put a, a Sonos play bar uh, into the shed. The, I have the Sonos Arc in the lounge room here, so I didn't need another soundbar in the home yet. So I thought I'll move one into the shed, move the play bar in there. And it's interesting because it's a Colorbond shed, Wi-Fi coverage is pretty bad, especially with the door shut uh, in the shed. I mean, Colorbond and Wi-Fi are just not friends at all. The shed's probably a good 10 meters away from the house, uh, maybe more. So yeah, not good. But it's funny. My smartphone cannot connect to the Wi-Fi when I'm inside the shed. The play bar, no dramas. I don't understand why. I can be streaming music continuously using my home Wi-Fi in the shed on the play bar, but not through my smartphone, which makes it very difficult to control the Sonos play bar from your smartphone. So I had a bit of a a way of fixing that was I put a echo spot or dot um, from Amazon in the corner which has really good voice pickup and really good voice control that basically I can just ask the voice assistant to play John Farnham on the shed, which is the name of the um, Sonos play bar and away it works. So both of those gadgets work. So as long as they're working, who cares? My phone doesn't pick up the Wi-Fi. Um, The next step obviously is to try and fix my Wi-Fi issues and to try and get even more coverage. I'm not going to get all coverage across 15 acres. I don't expect to, uh, but I would like it in the shed because that then means I can put more gadgets in there. I also put a... Um, Arlo indoor camera inside the shed, probably more likely so I can see a snake roaming across the shed at nighttime or whatever animals will break in there. I don't know, but it's I have really nothing of value, maybe except the play by now, um, that I'm worried about in there or I'm worried about anything being stolen, but it's just interesting having a camera inside. It's probably the only indoor camera that I'm actually interested in having. I don't want one anywhere else in the house. I don't really want one in the kitchen, for example, or anything like that. Um, but I have put Arlo cameras around other parts of the home, mainly, mainly entry points and things like that. So I know that a courier's arrived or something like that. So um, yeah, loving the space and the ability to play with more technology. And you know, I've got some smart garden meters I'm looking forward to setting up as well. I used to have one at the other home, but these are very different, more tap-based solutions. Um, there's so many other things. And actually what's really exciting is soon, I'll be setting up an outdoor cinema and obviously be doing that with the new Samsung Freestyle, uh, which you've probably heard about, which was announced at CES. That should be here with me next week. Uh, And we'll be trying to set up an outdoor cinema somewhere on these acres that we have, given this thing is supposed to be portable. Um, I can potentially just stream something through a hotspot on my phone. I don't know. I could potentially sit anywhere on the paddock and launch a 100-inch cinema in my backyard. I'm hoping to try and do that too. So some fun stuff happening on the ranch, I guess. And it's just been um, very interesting to play with different things as we go along. Now, very quickly, some news from Apple. 
Uh, some very interesting news from Apple this week. I guess it's a rumor. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in the US that Apple TV Plus isn't doing very well. Uh, if you think about a streaming service and the amount of streaming service that we do have available to us at the moment, I don't know how many people are actually signed up to Apple TV Plus. And if they were, it was either because they got it for free up front when they got a year subscription from buying an iPhone or something like that, or they're using a trial period to have a look, watch, binge the heck out of a particular show and then jump off it. I don't have Apple TV Plus. I currently subscribe to Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, and that's it. I actually don't think I, I, and I've got, obviously got Foxtel as well, but um, I tried Paramount Plus, did what I needed there and got off. I did Stan, again, binge the shows that I needed to and got off. And I really encourage people to make sure you do cancel subscriptions if you're not using them anymore. But there's a rumor that Apple TV, or I guess Apple, is doing negotiations about sport. And this is a big one because Paramount Plus, for example, have some agreements because given that they're owned by Viacom, uh, they have some local sporting agreements. The A-League is jumping on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, we've seen Stan do some sport now as well with the rugby. I think they did something with netball or some other sport that I've never heard of or watched. But there's a couple of other streaming services doing sports. I think Prime is looking to bring a particular sport to their streaming service as well. I forget what it was, but there's rumors that Apple's doing the same. Now, if any company has the budget to really disrupt sports, it would be Apple. And could you imagine... Just imagine, play, play with me for a second. Imagine if Apple did a deal to have exclusive rights to the Super Bowl. Imagine if Apple had exclusive rights to the Formula One season. Imagine if Apple just kept it local and had something as simple as the NRL rights. Whether it was for streaming or whether it was in entirety. What would that do? I think for the majority of people, if you love that sport, it would mean that without a doubt, you're paying that $10, $12, $13 a month, whatever it's going to be, to make sure you can watch that show. If, for example, they took the Formula One, how much would the sport package normally cost me on Foxtel? Well, I wouldn't pay that anymore because the only sport I would normally watch on Foxtel is the Formula One. If Apple really wants to try and get people, I've always said it, live sports is the way to do it because it's something you'd never, I don't know anybody who's ever watched something on replay. Who the heck would care about the football results two days later, three days later? No one, no one does a binging session on last season of football. They just don't do it. So I think sports could be the one to really make it happen for Apple if they choose to do it. And I know they've got the money to do it. Obviously, uh, they could potentially just buy a whole, they could buy the whole league. They could just buy NRL as a sport if they really wanted to. And then obviously run the streaming themselves as well. So who knows? Apple TV Plus, what would happen there? And tell me what you think. Would you actually think that streaming sports is the big way for a streaming service to try and take off? You tell me. Now, the Beijing Winter Olympics is next month. I just realized that uh, from this news article. There is a Winter Olympics, number one. Uh, Number two, it's next month, where I feel like we just had the regular Olympics in Japan, and it's in Beijing, which is the home or the birthplace of baby COVID. And it's crazy, what's surprising to me, that we were so upset that a guy came to this country who was unvaccinated, but we're going to send our athletes to the birthplace of COVID. Anyway, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a tech topic. The tech topic is this. These athletes that are going there have been told and they've been warned that they should be taking burner phones 
for when they're in Beijing. And it's fascinating that I was reading about this because um, I've been to China multiple times. I've been there for work. I've been there on press trips as well. And it's so true. One of the things I always do whenever I go to China is two things. One, I take a spare phone and I don't use my regular phone. Um, That spare phone, I use it when I'm there. I usually get a SIM card. And then whatever I do on that phone is completely deleted when I leave. I wipe the phone, uh, restore it to factory settings. That's it. Laptops, same deal. Take a fresh laptop there, do what I need to do, wipe it before I get home. It's crazy to think that we even need to be doing these things when you're traveling. But for China specifically, if you're using their networks, if you're using their internet connections, um, very good chance there's a bit of chatter, a bit of listening going on, and you need to be very, very cautious of what you're doing. And it's been spoken about now that there's been uh, security consultant companies and things like that in Australia saying that athletes and their partners and their people, whoever goes with them to Beijing, need to be extremely careful about what they're doing on their devices when they go. Um, basically what they're saying here is that laws around surveillance and their particular culture about how they moderate and manage what happens online um, is the reason for that. You do not want anything being heard, anything being listened to, anything being said accidentally through your phone or through your computer that could have ramifications while you're still in China. So it's crazy to think that if you are somebody who is going over to Beijing for the Winter Olympics, good luck. But also think about doing something similar because dead set, um, you just don't want any drama. And there's something about going there that does sometimes bring problems. And uh, it's fascinating to see that the AOC has also come out and said that um, they will be providing athletes with complimentary phones and SIM cards. They will also have um, local staff who will be using localized SIM cards and leaving everything behind when they do leave China. This is, a, uh, this is an official statement from the Australian Olympic Committee. Um, they've also said support staff and officials will have access to an AOC-established Wi-Fi in areas allocated to us, which is provided by their IT branch. What that is most likely meaning is that they are having connections put in place, which will have rock-solid VPN connections back home or back to another country outside of China, where they can manage and funnel the traffic as they need to. Um, That is a bit harder for your Olympian, your average Olympian, to just pick up their phone and go and do. But if you've got specific tunnels that you can create on your Wi-Fi networks, then you can actually manage that as well. So it's fascinating that we're having these conversations. I'm glad that they are having these conversations a bit more publicly now. despite the fact that the Beijing Olympic Committee has said that these such measures are completely unnecessary. And that's understandable that they would go ahead and do that. Um, But anyway, we move on. Now, after this, I'm going to have a quick sippy sip, and we're going to talk about this 5G connection, not the one that they've boosted me into my arm, but the one that's now sitting on my desk and what kind of experiences I've now been having with it. Stay tuned. Now, many of you will know that when I did move into uh, my new place, I have fiber to the node where I live. I'm about a kilometer plus away from the node, and I consistently do speed tests on the NBN connection, and I receive about 30 meg down, maybe 6 meg up. Pretty consistent. And that's a good thing. At least it's consistent, but that's the speeds that I can get on the NBN where I live. Uh, I've also been testing a Tel- uh, an Optus 4G home broadband solution, and that immediately doubled my speeds. I was starting to get 60 meg down and around 10 to 12 upload. I like that. And I was using that for a while. In fact, they had 
sent me that modem with an 80 gig prepaid data card and I got a warning about I'm about 75% through that. I have only been using it exclusively for my office. I'm using the NBN for the rest of the house and I'm using that particular Optus modem for my work computer only. So during the day and during the evening is when it gets used, but it's only my laptop that's consuming that. My my smartphone connects to the Wi-Fi of the house uh, on the NBN, as is every other device. It's purely just for my computer. And then today, um, yes, it is great coincidence that um, I got my booster, but also received uh, a 5G modem from Telstra. Now, I'd asked Telstra about this months ago, and I guess to their credit, or I guess it's a validation of their system, when I go on the Telstra website as a general consumer and I try and check my address to receive the 5G home broadband service that they do offer, I'm not eligible. Where I live, they just don't have it ready to be able to do that. That's fine. And they would have 100 100 reasons of why that's the case, probably because they can't offer the quality of service that they would expect from that. Um, But for me, the huge appeal is the fact that it's $85 per month for one terabyte of data on their Telstra 5G home modem. And even if I was getting 50 meg on that modem, I would be happy because at the moment, I'm paying almost that much money for my NBN connection where I'm getting 30 meg. So you can see why I was so persistent with Telstra to say, Send me one of these modems. I know that my, it says my address is not eligible, but I also know that there is no way it's going to be slower than my NBN connection. And that, for that reason, I would be happy to pay the $85 a month because I know I'm going to get a better speed than my NBN and I can cut it. And it sounds crazy to even say something like that to you today because when I was on the NBN in the old house, when I had fiber to the home, I would never have considered anything else because why would I? I had fiber right into my veins and it felt good. I felt powerful and I didn't realize it until I lost it. And here we are. So next to my Optus modem is now another modem. I must have radio waves flying into this bedroom um, where I've now got the Telstra 5G modem, which is probably twice the size of the 4G Optus one. Um, It's a big beast. It looks like um, it looks like an Xbox, you know, the brand new Xbox. It's about the size of that. A very similar shape too, uh, but it's sitting on my desk in front of me, and it's got a series of lights. Power is green. Yeah, internet is green. Wi-Fi is green. Mobile signal is blue, which actually indicates it's not a very strong connection to the mobile network. Um, I've seen it go green, which is what you actually want it to be, but it's not um, amber, which is bad. But you know, it's got an average connection, which is fine. But the most important light that I'm seeing lit up green is the 5G light. So apparently, from what I can gather by these little lights that are sitting on this modem, I'm now getting 5G internet access on this device. So as you all would want to know, what it, what's it like? Well, first thing I did was go to speedtest.net like anybody else would try um, whenever they get a 5G phone or something like that. And the speed tests have been impressive. That's all you can say, right? It's impressive. So let me, let me rehash where we're up to here. My NBN connection. I'm signed up for 100 meg, but I get 30. The Optus 4G um, home modem, I get 60. And, it's, and, and again, I'm, doing, I'm saying all of these as consistent tests. These are things I've done time and time again, different times of the day. I get pretty consistent results on all fronts. The Telstra 5G modem, and again, I'm not, this is not an apples and apples comparison because 
I have a Optus 4G modem, so I'm only going to get 4G type speeds. I'm not going to get 5G speeds on the Optus one if I even have 5G in the area from Optus. The Telstra 5G modem that I am getting, I have got here in front of me. I have been consistently doing speed tests and receiving between 250 to 300 megabits per second. That is why I am so close to disconnecting my NBN service potentially from tomorrow. Uh, this modem arrived today and I'm pretty sure that that's it. I'm pretty sure I won't be going forward with my NBN connection and that 5G will be the way that I'll power my home um, through the future. It's unbelievable that I'm even considering this where I've bagged it consistently saying, why would I want 5G for my home internet? Well, this is going to be why. And tomorrow I have a typical workday. I'll be on a bunch of video calls. I'm looking forward to testing this. I will call out that the upload speeds is not very good. I mean, while I've had a significant improvement in download speeds, it's very marginal from an upload perspective. I have seen 20 megabit um, uploads, which is fine. Like I'm not complaining. I'm going to be able to video call just fine here, but it's not the increments of uploads is not multiplied in the same way it did for the download speed. But um, consistent speed test, looking at great results. Uh, let's just wait and see how I go. Tomorrow, I'm going to go through some typical work calls, typical day um, on the 5G modem. And let's just wait and see. I'm also going to consider moving it around a little bit because if that mobile signal go from blue to green, I'm pretty sure my speeds will actually improve as well um, and potentially upload. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I am connected through Wi-Fi at the moment. Um, I'm going to look at potentially running that modem into my mesh Wi-Fi network instead, and then just boost the whole house effectively once I find the right spot for that 5G modem to sit and breathe. So let's wait and see how that goes. Um, I will also give Optus the benefit of the doubt here. And actually, wherever I've moved the Telstra modem, I will also move the Optus modem and do the same tests to see if it has an impact. But I was getting a full, uh, full bars on the Optus 4G modem. Um, just to be completely transparent. So if you do have a poor NBN connection, it really is time to be considering alternatives. Um, Telstra do not do a lock-in contract on their 5G home modem. You can cancel at any time. Um, it is something that people should be considering. Uh, my download speeds are fantastic and I'm not even in an eligible address. So imagine if you do live in an eligible address, you're probably going to get far better speeds than that, which is exceptional to imagine. Now, after this, we're going to talk about a pair of earbuds that I've been testing that could be your next pair. And I genuinely mean that. Stay tuned. Now, towards the end of last year, we sat through a press briefing, virtual, of course, uh, with LG. And they went through some new headphones and other innovations that they were announcing. And one particular pair of headphones really caught my ear. And I mean that in a literal sense. I've tested LG tone-free headphones before. I think it was the FP7 or something like that. Last year, it was a UV nano. It would kind of take away the bacteria off your earbuds, which was their kind of unique selling proposition at that point. And that was interesting. And actually, you know what? The headphones were actually pretty good too. Then they announced three more um, versions, FP5, FP8, FP9. The FP9 is the one I'm particularly excited by because it is a pair of wireless earbuds. We've seen them before a million times. Apple, Samsung, Jabra, a lot of people make them. These ones look like Apple AirPods Pro. They've got a short stem, um, but they're a little bit more elegant. They've got a bit more piano black going on it, a bit more chrome. 
um, and they've got soft gel buds, which create a really nice fit in the ear. The big thing for me about this particular pair, however, is that it's also got a cable, which is the from the charging port, so USB-C on the actual case. When you go USB-C into an auxiliary port, so a headphone jack, you can then take the buds out of the case and listen to whatever is physically connected to the case. So let me try and give you that example. You take your wireless earbuds, these LG FP9s, and you go on an airplane to fly somewhere. And we always know that those entertainment systems have the headphone jack on them. Well, you take your case, you plug your USB-C cable to three and a half mil, and you plug that into the entertainment unit or entertainment system on the plane. You then pull the buds out and put them in your ear, and suddenly you're hearing what is on the entertainment system. You can always flick the switch on the case, and it goes back to being a Bluetooth pair of buds, and you start listening to whatever's on your phone or on your tablet or on your laptop. But the flexibility to be able to listen to devices that don't have Bluetooth is phenomenal. You go to the gym. A lot of gyms have TVs on the treadmills, on the bikes and things like that. They don't usually have Bluetooth though that you can connect your headphones to. But again, you plug the case into the headphone jack, put the buds in your ear and away you go. You can be running on a treadmill, cable free. It's just... It seems like this should have been done a long time ago, but now they finally have it. So I have a pair with me here and I have been using them and they, they work, I guess, as instructed. When you do plug it in, it does work. Now, I will say I've had a couple of teething issues where sometimes I'll have them plugged into my laptop, for example, put my buds in so I can listen to and join a Zoom call and it works. And then sometimes I put my buds back in the case and take them out again, and it doesn't work. The second time, I always need to redo the process again for it to know that I'm trying to use auxiliary and not Bluetooth. Um, so there's been some teething issues, but the big part here is that these aren't even actually available in Australia yet. Um, you can't buy them, and it's unfortunate that I'm talking to you about them when you, when you can't even buy them, but I'm hoping that those kinds of small teething issues that I'm having will be fixed with a firmware update before they actually go on sale. So when I do get told that they're coming on sale, I'll be checking for firmware updates and I'll let you know if that does resolve the issue. But I will call out that there is a potential bug that when it's using auxiliary, it doesn't always remember to use the auxiliary connection. From a sound quality perspective, they're very, very good. Um, they're really enjoyable to use. The sound quality is nice and balanced, not heavy on bass, not tinny. The um, noise cancellation is, is fantastic. It's got three microphones per bud to do the work on noise cancellation. It works very well. One thing that's missing actually from the case, and I didn't realize this till um, leaving it on a wireless charger and getting no benefit, the case doesn't support wireless charging, which is unusual given that the FP8, which is the one that I guess is a lower spec model, it has wireless charging. And I have a feeling it is to somehow due to having this auxiliary ability in the case that somehow they just couldn't fit the technology for wireless charging. I don't know, um, but they don't do wireless charging, which is unfortunate, um, but otherwise they are very, very good buds. I don't know what they'll cost when they come to Australia. This also hasn't been announced, um, but the FP9s, if you're looking for something a little different, you don't want to have just a typical pair of AirPods. You don't want to have a Samsung. You don't want to have a Jabra for whatever reason. If you're a bit of an LG fanboy, um, these tone-free buds are very good. And the last version was as well. They've, they've stepped it up a little bit here. Um, it still has this antibacterial thing that when you close the, put your headphones back in the case, that this UV light comes on and does stuff. They say it 
really does kill bacteria. They've had it independently checked and things like that. It's probably not something I care about as much and not something I would invest in. But fortunately, the buds actually sound good and work well as well. The auxiliary thing is just a genius. And I cannot wait to fly and use them in that situation. Um, but even just plugging into a laptop, um, that kind of experience, it's just such a simple thing to do. And I don't know why it hasn't been done before. It's very strange. And you know, LG is probably saying, stop, t- stop saying that because some brand will catch on and go in and do it. But you know what? Let them all do it. Then you start competing on other things like sound quality and whatnot. So yeah, nice nice work, LG. I can't wait for you guys to try and um, buy these. Although let's wait and see what the price is like because that can sometimes really tip the scales on whether you actually should or not. Now, after this, we are going to talk about webcams. Um, if you don't use webcams, have a good day. Thanks for joining. I'll speak to you another time. But if you do join Zoom calls, MS team calls, you work from a home, uh, you care about how you're perceived through webcams, stay tuned. I've been testing two crackers and one of them is mind-blowing. When the pandemic hit, I guess, and we all had to go work from home or we all had to run home to try and continue working or connecting with family and friends through Zoom, Hangouts, whatever it may be, um, sales of webcams went through the roof. I remember very quickly realizing how much stock was depleting on keyboards, mice, monitors, and especially webcams. And we then started to really see companies take webcams more seriously. And it's been, I guess, such an advantage or such an amazing thing to witness how much technology has evolved because of the pandemic and different decisions that companies who make technology have changed their strategy or changed their approach to something because of the way we're now living or what the pandemic has created. Webcams in particular have been an interesting one to watch because anybody who has joined a meeting from their built-in webcam on a laptop will know that the quality is pretty average, um, probably with the exception sometimes of Apple devices. Somehow, some, some reason, um, they're not bad. Um, they usually do a pretty good job. They're not great, but they're not bad. Um, when it comes to Gosh, I mean, I have a Lenovo in front of me. The webcam in that is garbage. I, I might as well be sending people drawings of how I look. Um, it's just not It's not good. And when you are using it for work purposes and you are representing yourself in a work meeting, if you represent yourself poorly, that, I believe, reflects poorly on you. When you cannot be made out clearly, when the quality is so bad, when your angle of the video camera is average, I do believe that it makes you somehow less credible, less believable, less trustworthy. I do think that there has a perception. I really do think that if you present yourself better, just like when you would dress up to go to work, if you turned up in ripped jeans and a, I don't know, I say these things because I don't understand fashion, but if you turned up in ripped jeans and thongs, pretty good chance you're not going to be as trustworthy or as um, professional from a perception point of view, as somebody who turned up with pants and proper shoes. Just an observation. It's like if you're going for a job interview. You don't go for a job interview in your Hawaiian shirt. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a perception thing. So that's why I think webcams are important. It's what makes you look good in front of your colleagues or your manager or whatever it is. Now, when it comes to buying webcams, you can go a couple of ways. You can use the one built into your laptop or you can start to buy uh, an external webcam and two brands that have been doing them for a long time. Well, one, one brand particularly that's been doing it for a long time is Logitech. And I've been testing one from them called the Streamcam. 
I've been using this for a little while now. The Streamcam is a very good webcam. I've used it for Sunrise TV crosses. I've used it for Seven News, Ten News, uh, where I will just sit in front of my webcam with my. I use an actual microphone, the same one I'm talking to you on. Um, but the the video side is all managed through the Logitech Streamcam, and it's been doing an exceptional job. Uh, Two hundred twenty nine dollars. Uh, it is high definition. It sits above my monitor. The framing is good. The way it manages light has been quite good. In the old place, I used to get a terrible afternoon sun, uh, which would usually make me look quite dark. It did a pretty good job of bringing light back onto my face. Um, just smart technology that works. It has a USB-C connection uh, from the webcam into your laptop, uh, which I didn't mind because I don't often have the USB port consumed with anything else, especially on the docking station. Uh, so USB-C connection, plug and play, simply works. You can get it to orientate in vertical mode if you're somebody who wants to shoot video in vertical. Uh, you can get it to do things for game streaming if you want to do graphics, if you want to do green screening. There is a piece of software that comes with this um, webcam that allows you to do some really cool stuff for, if you're a Twitch streamer or whatever it is. Uh, but for me, just using it for Zoom and Teams meetings, it's been a very good webcam. Autofocus has been very good if I get close, if I get far away, and it's very snappy in being able to do that. So. I'm not going to complain about that webcam. It's done a very good job. And then Jabra announced the Panacast. Uh, I believe it was a CES announcement, but I feel like it came earlier than that. The Panacast 20 is a new webcam from Jabra. Um, they are starting to get into this space and they are really starting to enter this space with brevity, if that's a real word. Um, but really coming in macho macho. And the Panacast 20 is fascinating because it's a smaller webcam than the Streamcam from Logitech. It's sleeker. It's a bit, bit chunkier in terms of depth, but for up front, what sits on the monitor looks very thin and connects to my laptop. Actually uses USB-A into the laptop, but into the webcam is USB-C. I don't know why it just wasn't USB-C end-to-end, but anyway. It's a nice, nice camera. It looks pretty sexy. It has a hardware privacy shutter, so a physical shutter that you can put across it. Probably a good thing if you're someone who accidentally turns your webcam on without knowing it. Um, just close that privacy shutter to make sure you're not caught out doing anything inappropriate. Uh, and it's got microphones built into it as well. It's got three microphones, but I don't use microphones on webcam. I guess another thing when it comes to representing yourself on meetings I want to use a separate microphone. I understand a lot of people use headsets. That's cool. Um, but I do my hair. And as a result, I don't want a pair of headphones sitting on my head um, as my microphone headset. So each to their own. I use a separate microphone. And I don't like using the microphones on webcams because it feels like if I turn my head, if I talk away from it, I don't want to be losing um, my effect through the microphones on the webcam. So I don't use those. So I can't comment about the good, how good the microphones are on either of those webcams. I just don't recommend people use them. However, the sensor inside the Jabra Panacast 20 is a 4K um, ultra, high, ultra high definition video lens. And it's fascinating for a number of reasons. First of all, I've seen webcams that can follow you. I've seen webcams that have motorized lenses or heads that will do face tracking. They will look at you and they will follow you. This one uses artificial intelligence to digitally frame and track where you are. Obviously within reason because it can't physically move, but take this for example. I, I sit uh, on a corner desk. 
My monitor sits in the corner as does the webcam. If I lean hard on the right of the desk or on the left of the desk, appearing on video, I'm dead straight. And it's very bizarre that the framing really brings me as if I'm actually sitting up straight, even if I'm actually shifted over to the right or shift over to the left, it still frames you perfectly right in the middle where your head's supposed to be, showing enough of your torso or upper body. Um, and it's fascinating to watch it do that. And it does that without software. So you plug this thing into your computer, open up any camera application, whether it's Zoom, Teams, whatever it is that you're using, and it has you in frame at the right height, at the right space every single time. And it's amazing to see it doing it. Obviously, it's using digital cropping to make that work. But given that we're talking about Zoom and things like that, I don't need 4K video. I need well-lit, well-represented, and well-framed video. Now, let's talk about that other part which I mentioned the lighting. Having both of these cameras on my monitor, both plugged into my computer, um, in Zoom calls and Teams calls lately, I have been actively switching between the two to see how they react and how they I'm represented differently. The Logitech does a good job of lighting me up. And I've said that before, that in a dark situation or when I've got poor backlighting because of a sunset or whatever it is, it's done a good job of making sure I'm well lit. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm being well represented. Um, and what I mean by that is that usually with the Logitech, I'm, I'm well lit, but I'm actually quite white. And I, I am a white guy, but my skin is not pitch white. My skin is more of a, like a light brown, olive, whatever you want to call it. Um, you would know from if you've seen me on TV what my color skin actually looks like. When I'm represented on a, on a webcam through Logitech, in a meeting, it's just not quite accurate. Whereas the color representation that Jabra on the Panacast 20 has been providing is warmer. It's providing that proper skin tone. Um, it's still providing a well-lit environment, but its representation is so much better. And in fact, the paint behind me is actually more of a, um, more of a beige in the room that I'm in. The, the paintwork is quite beige. On the Logitech, that doesn't show. It looks white. On the Panacast, it shows. Now, I don't love the color paint that's behind me, but you know how smart a webcam is in terms of how it can actually represent color as well. And it's doing a fantastic job of it. One of the other features that it does have, and I haven't had a chance to test this particular feature, is picture in picture. And again, it says it does this for you automatically, no software required. But if it detects that you are effectively in your presentation and you're presenting a product in your hand. So say Jabra's example is a pair of headphones. If I'm standing in front of my webcam and I'm holding a pair of headphones sort of at chest height, as if to explain it, my hand might actually be moving up and down the ear cups to suggest that I'm talking about it. It will automatically split and do a picture in picture representation for your viewers. And what it does is it in the lower right hand corner, it will show the webcam view, which is you holding the headphones. But in the main picture, it will zoom in and crop in to show just the headphones and your hands talking about it. Now, that's incredible. I need to really test that. I haven't had a proper use case. Obviously, when I'm attending for work meetings, I never have a product to have to demonstrate, but I probably will need to test that to make sure this actually does work and how well it really identifies when, I'm, when it should be doing picture in picture and when it shouldn't be doing picture in picture. Because I'll tell you what, if I'm picking up my coffee to take a sip, during a meeting, I don't need picture in picture on that. I don't need any focus on my coffee cup as a primary screen and then me as a 
smaller display. So picture-in-picture is a cool idea, provided it actually does it at the right time. And how you can control that, I don't know. Um, So let's wait and see how that does work. But honestly, just the AI piece in terms of how it does face tracking and color representation has been exceptional. There is one catch. It's not very cheap. We're talking about $420 odd for the Panacast 20. You need to be an executive or just someone who takes their webcams very seriously to want one of these. Um, if you are spending a lot of time in meetings, talk to your boss, talk to your manager. Maybe you can swindle one through work, um, go 50-50. I don't know. It's much better than the stream cam, but it's twice the price effectively. And I don't think a lot of people are rushing towards spending twice the amount of money, especially during a pandemic or whatever their issues might be. But the Jabra Panacast 20 is now my most recommended webcam. But number two will be the stream cam. Again, price comes into factor here. But uh, if you're in the market for a new webcam, you've got to be looking at these two. They're both fantastic. Like I said, I've used the stream cam without complaint for a very long time but I will now be using the Panacast 20 until Jabra forces it out of my cold, dead hands. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Technology Uncorked. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your emails this week, your your DMs. If you're following me on Instagram or Twitter, um, or if you've managed to hunt down my email address, that's okay. Send me a note. Send me your thoughts. Let me know what you think about anything we do talk about on the show. You can leave a review, but that's for everyone to see. If you want to just tell me directly, whisper it into my ear, you can absolutely now do that through any means possible. I'll speak to you soon. Stay safe. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.